0: All right, well, today we're in week number two of our series called Walk This Way. Everybody say, Walk This Way. We started this last week, and obviously, I told you last week, this is not a series about the Aerosmith song or, or Run MC song. This is a series about how to live a life of holiness. And that word is not a scary word. I know we've made it out to be scary, like, oh, holy, here comes Miss Holy Roller. Here comes, who do you think you are? Are you holy or what? Holiness is God's way of living. That's the life that God wants us to live. And so that's what this series is about, is learning to live a life of holiness. Because we have been called to holiness. Jesus has saved us. If you've put your faith and trust in Him, we are saved, we are redeemed, we have been adopted into the family of God. He has made us holy. But now our responsibility is to walk the way that we have been created. our, our, Our new life necessitates a new way of living. We should have a new style. We talked about this last week. Uh, the former things that we used to do are, are out of style for us now. We've given our life to Jesus. We are new creation. We, our, our lives should reflect our Heavenly Father. Our behavior should, uh, should um, reflect and resemble Christ-like uh, image, the way that He is. And, and, and so this is, this is an ongoing process for all of us because none of us are perfect, but yet we should strive to live a life of holiness. Now that we've been born again, we should strive to live the life that resembles that. And so what we're doing is we're looking in the book of Ephesians. Matter of fact, if you want to go ahead and turn there to get a head start, we're looking at this passage in Ephesians where the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. He's writing to believers, and He's telling them what their new life should look like. Now that you've been born again, here's what your new life should look like. And He gives us some instructions there. He gives us a a way to measure how Christ-like that we are. And this is challenging, okay? This is why a lot of people don't read the Bible. Because they they see things of, of how we should be living, or how they should be living, and they're like, eh, let's just close the book because I'm struggling in that area. But, but that's good. We should look at ourselves and we should see where we uh, are lining up, how we're, if we are lining up with God's Word and ha- where we're falling short and strive to live that way. God, I'm, I'm failing in this area. Please forgive me and help me be the person that you've created me to be. And so the Apostle Paul here, he's, he's showing them in the book of Ephesians how to live a life of holiness and how to gauge on whether or not they're walking in their new Identity And my prayer throughout this series is as we work through these instructions, and we're taking them uh, one at a time over the course of the next few weeks, that my prayer is as we work through these instructions that you would see the areas of your life that need improvement and that I would see the areas in my life where I need improvement and that I would commit that to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I need help in this area. Please help me to to model what you're asking of me here. Help me to be the representation of Christ that you've called me to be. Help me to walk in holiness and that we would all live differently. That we would all be more holy in our actions and in our our words and in our behaviors and thoughts. Now, remember I told you this last week that the book of Ephesians is six chapters and it can be divided in two main sections. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 speak of the calling of the church. And then chapters uh, 4, 5, and 6 speak of the conduct of the church. So chapters 1, 2, and 3 talk about the calling of the church. We've been called by God. He has a, a, a new life for us. Uh, he has adopted us into His family. He has uh, sealed us and identified us as His own by giving us the Holy Spirit, that's our calling. And then he gets into chapters 4, 5, and 6, and he says, now this is your conduct. Because of your calling, here's what your conduct should look like. Or you can also say chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about our position, who we are in Christ, and then chapters 4, 5, and 6 are about our practice. So you have calling, conduct, position, practice. That's, that's what this whole book is about. One, two, and three are about the fact we've been called. He's made us holy. Now we are to have conduct that reflects our calling. Right? We should practice a lifestyle that reflects our position of who we are in Christ. As a matter of fact, he says this in, in verse number one of Ephesians 4. First place we're going to read. He says, therefore, which means in light of who you are in Christ. Remember, this is the beginning of chapters 4, 5, and 6, which is about the conduct and the practice. Chapters 1, 2, and 3 are about the calling and position. And he says, because of this, because of your calling, because of who you are in Christ, I'm begging you to walk worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He says, you've been called, now walk Worthy of that calling. Walk in a way that reflects your calling. How many realize that's a challenge? It's a cha- we, we know that we've been called by God. We know we've been adopted. But, but the hard part is walking that out. Remember this. In chapters 1, 2, and 3, when it talks about our calling and our position, the enemy is not mentioned anywhere in that. He does not get in the way of who we are in Christ. Okay? We've been seated in, in, in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. He is, we, are, we are in Christ. The enemy can't get in the way of that. But he shows up in chapters 4, 5, and 6, which is where we have to walk it out. And it's a struggle. And we have to, we have to uh, follow certain instructions and, and reject certain things and promote other things so that we may walk this calling out. So the whole goal behind this series is that we would walk worthy... Of our calling. That we would learn to put our old way of living behind us and embrace a new lifestyle. To learn to live a life of holiness so that our lives would bring glory and honor to God and that point others to Him. Now this, for a lot of you, this may seem very elementary, but there are a lot of people who have probably never heard a message like this. That they, in their minds, they have given their lives to Christ, but there's never been a a lifestyle change. They're just inviting Jesus to go along with their way of living. And that is, that is anti-gospel. Where is the dying to self? Where is the crucifying of the flesh? So, so the Apostle Paul is, is revealing to us through the Holy Spirit that now that we've been born again, we should strive to live a different lifestyle. We should strive to live... And holiness. And Paul's prayer for us is pretty much summarized in verses 22 through 24 of Ephesians chapter number 4. Let's read this. He says, Put off, everybody say "put put off, put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. He says, That's the old you. That's your old lifestyle. You need to put that off. And then he says, Instead, be renewed in the spirit of your minds and then to Put on, everybody say put on. I, when, when I read this, I, I think about Karate Kid. Wax on, wax, off, wax on, wax off. Put off, put on. Put off, put on. There's a, there's a putting off of something and a putting on of something else. We're putting off our old self, which, which belongs to our former manner of life and is corrupt, and, and we're putting on our new self, which is created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's the Apostle Paul's prayer for all believers. He's saying, you've been called by God. Now put off your old self. Put off your former way of doing things. And put on your new self, which is created to be like Christ, truly righteous and truly holy. That's our goal. That's my goal as a pastor. Even though I have a pastor's title in front of my name, I have not arrived. I am not perfect. I'm really close. No, just kidding. I'm not perfect. So I have to constantly be working on this, putting off my old way of doing things because every now and then that old way of doing things tries to rear its ugly head and I want to try to go back to doing that and to put on my new nature, my new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Put off old habits, put on new ones. Put off selfishness, and put on selflessness. If, even if you don't struggle with like major sins, you struggle with selfishness, I'm sure. So he's saying, learn to put that off and put on selflessness, where, where you're, you're making self less and making others more. You're, you're learning to put others first. We should be rejecting things that destroy unity and promoting things that build it up. And then after he shares this, the Apostle Paul goes on to give us examples... of of specific things we should be rejecting. And then he gives us examples of things that we should be promoting in an effort to walk worthy of our calling. And that's what we're looking at in this series. Last week, we talked about, we spent the entire message on the very first thing that the Apostle Paul tells us to reject. You remember what it was? (laughs) That's so encouraging. (laughs) Reject Lying. He says, if we're going to walk in holiness, you've got to reject lying and promote speaking the truth. Well, let's just read it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25. Since you guys had no clue what it was, let's read it. He says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. And then he tells us why we need to stop lying and why we should be speaking the truth. He says, because we're members one of another. Now, I told you that most of us don't flat out lie. We're not just bold face lying to someone. We, we don't, and if you do do that, you, you need help. You need to repent. Okay, but most of us don't lie that way. Lying in church is a lot more subtle. We, we don't lie with our words, we lie with our appearance and our expressions. Like, oh yeah, I'm doing great. Hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. How's your family? Man, family's good. My kids are good. Life is good. And we're lying. Inside, we're, we're, we're crushed. We're hurting. We're, we're broken. We have pain. We have um, addictions. We're lying. And, and Paul is saying, now remember, if, if we're members of one another, if we're going to build one another up, if we're going to be the light of the world, if we're going to be the salt of the earth, if we're truly going to conquer the world for Christ, we have to be open and honest with one another. At the minimum, we must have a foundation of trust. I've got to find someone to be open and honest with. Now, there's a time and a place for that. You don't just throw up all of your junk to anyone at any time. There is a time and there's a context, a place for that. But we have to be open and honest with one another. So the very first thing that he says to reject is lying. And instead of lying, we should promote the truth. And then Paul moves on to the second thing, which is what we're going to talk about today. The second thing that we must learn to reject, and that is anger. Reject anger. Everybody just say that say reject anger. anger. You don't even have to say I don't struggle with that because we all do. We all do. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, the very next passage. The apostle Paul says, Do not let the sun go down on your anger. He says, reject anger. And then when he says, Don't let the sun go down on your anger, he's promoting this idea of keeping short accounts. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Now that doesn't mean that if you get angry in the morning time that you have a lot longer to stay angry than you do if you got angry at three o'clock in the afternoon because the sun is still not down. That, that's not what he's talking about. The principle is don't keep long accounts, but to keep short accounts. Learn to forgive. Learn to learn, He says in one place, make allowance for one another's faults. Learn that people are going to fail you. Learn that people are going to get under your skin. Learn that things aren't always going to go your way. Learn to deal with anger. He says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, I think, well, I don't think, I know all of us have what I call flashes of anger from time to time. I'm not saying um, that you act out in anger, but I'm saying that, that anger will flash in you um, just in a moment's notice. I mean, for example, here's how it works for me. Um I can be driving down the road, it, just, just me, having a great day, listening to sports talk radio, listening to, to you know, radio songs, whatever, just enjoying life. And some other driver just do something incredibly stupid. And in a moment's notice, there is a flash of anger inside of me. Y'all, y'all can understand what I'm talking about, right? Now, I'm not saying I always act out on that, but there's a flash of anger that just wants to, you idiot! <laughs> or you're driving down the road and there's no one behind you and you see a car that's about to pull out and you're thinking, surely you're not going to pull out because there's like no one for miles behind me. Surely you can wait like 10 more seconds. But no, they pull out right in front of you. <laughs> and so you go from 50 to 20 and just, you know in a moment's notice and you're right on their tail and you just you just want to ride that tail you just you just want to you just want to stay on them for as right? I mean those, these are flashes of anger and they can happen in a moment's notice. Everything can be good and perfect and someone say something in a flash of anger. Someone looks at you the wrong way. A flash of anger. A preacher says something and you think he's talking about you. You're mad. Who told him I was dealing with this? A flash of anger. All of us can, can relate to this. I, I get, fr- I, and my wife and I, we have a great marriage, but I get frustrated at her. And I know if I gave her the microphone, she could tell that she gets frustrated at me. And you know why I get frustrated at her? Because she's not me, <laughs> she's another person. And if you stay around other people long enough, there's going to be problems. Are going to be issues, but I get frustrated, and, and what's funny is, is um, I always try to justify my anger as though it's righteous anger. You know, like I'm, I'm frustrated at my wife, Lord, and I'm frustrated at her because I love you so much, and I'm, I'm so committed to you that like you, I also too am frustrated at her. Because I know, I know God's upset at her, right? And so we, we, we try to justify it as though it's righteous anger, and it's crazy that it, it can show up and just a flash of anger can show up in just a moment's notice. I, I'm just going to be transparent and admit my weaknesses. I, I, I have control issues. There I said it. OK, I said it. Um, <laughs> um, if I'm in a vehicle, I have to be driving. I am not a good rider, so if you ever ask me somewhere, I'm going to volunteer to drive and I'll make up some reason why I have to drive to make you know that it's not just because, you know, whatever. But um, um, I struggle with, with riding with people, um, namely my 18-year-old son. Um, I, I can be in the driver's seat and I, I'm like, son, you need to slow down. Uh, there's a car coming up by you, you need to let them go around. Hey, hey, we're about to be turning up here, you need to be going ahead and getting over in the other lane. Why? Because it's the right time to do it. It's the right thing to do. It's what I would do if I was the one driving, right? That's, that's, and really, that's what it all boils down to, right? Is, is a lot, I'm just being honest. But a lot of our anger is brought on the fact that we are so steadfast and entrenched in our own rightness. We, we want to be right. And we are right. Right? <laughs> And, and when that rightness gets challenged, we tend to get angry because they're not doing it the way that, that I would do it. We, they don't realize that this earth revolves around me. It revolves around me. And you, you need to get on board with that. Woman? Or, 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 or man? Or whoever. Right? Come on, I'm just... Y'all can laugh at me. That's, that's what I'm up here for. for so you to feel better about yourselves. But you know that you guys are the exact same way. We have these flashes of anger that, that rise up. And, and most of it is because we're, we're just steadfast on our own rightness. And once again, when that rightness gets challenged, we, we get angry. And the Apostle Paul says, when that happens... When that anger flashes inside of you, you better deal with it early and often. And then he tells us why. Remember, there's always there's the rejection of the one thing and there's the promotion of the other. And then he tells us why. He told us to reject lying and promote the truth. Why? Because we're members one of another. And now he's saying reject anger and promote the keeping of short accounts. And here's why in verse number 27. Because if you let anger linger. You're giving an opportunity to the devil. Man, this, this, is, this is a big one, okay? I know we've been laughing and having fun at this, but this is, this is really big. I struggle with this. This is hard. I don't want to preach this stuff. But I, but I have to. Because it's not only good for me, but it's good for all of us to hear. He says, if, if you don't deal with anger... If you don't don't deal with it quickly and and early and often, you're just giving an opportunity for the devil to get a foothold in your life. In other words, you're making room for the devil. And none of us want to do that. None of us want to just clear out a spot. Hey, devil, just come on into my life. Here, I've cleared you out of spot here. (laughs) Come on in. How you been doing? No. None of us want that to happen. But yet the Apostle Paul is saying, here's what happens when you don't deal with anger quickly. You give the enemy... A foothold. Other translations say you're giving place. You're giving the devil a place. You're giving him an opportunity to have a place in your life. You're simply creating a place for the enemy to come in. A place where the enemy can gain access into your life. Foothold. Think about a climber that's climbing the side of a bluff. He's looking for a foothold. A place where he can put his foot so he can advance to the next level. So he can go higher, right? Right? And this is what it means for us when we hold on to anger, when we don't, when we don't deal with it quickly, when we don't learn to forgive, when we don't learn to, to make allowance for other people's faults and give grace, then we're making room for the enemy to get a foothold in our life. And the Apostle Paul says, do not let Satan have an opportunity to advance any further in your life. Do not even give him the smallest chance to gain any leverage or to have control over you. I think so many times, even without knowing it, we leave an open door for the enemy. And we're completely unaware. How how did this happen? Because we we left the door open. We, We left a place for the enemy to gain access into our life. We didn't mean to. But we did. But fortunately for us, just say fortunately for me, the Holy Spirit revealed to Paul one of the ways that the enemy gains access into our life, and the Apostle Paul is sharing it with us. Here's how the enemy gains access to your life. When you don't deal with anger quickly and early. And often you give the enemy a foothold in your life. And it's it's interesting. Once you, once you see this principle, you can go back and you can look at, you can find this, this same principle. Now it's worded differently, but you can find the same principle in several um, um, instances throughout the Bible. For example, the, the very first family that, that God made, Adam and Eve, we, we know for sure that they had Cain and Abel. Most of you know the story of Cain and Abel. They brought sacrifices to the Lord. Cain brought some of his crops and, and Abel uh, brought one of, his, one of his offspring, or no offspring, one of his, one of his sheep um, from, from his herd. The first fruit, if you will. The, the best. And... Um, Cain was upset that God accepted Abel's sacrifice, but didn't accept his. And it made him very angry. Now now watch this. let's look at this story. In Genesis chapter four verses five through seven, it says, "This made Cain very angry, and he looked dejected. Now watch this. Why are you so angry? The Lord asked Cain, why do you look so dejected? You will be accepted if you do what is right. But if you refuse to do what is right, then watch out. Sin is crouching at the door, eager to control you. But you must get a hold of it. You must master it. Now now think about this for a second. The wording is different but the principle is the same as what the Apostle Paul is telling us in Ephesians chapter number 4. He's saying, Cain, I know you're angry right now. I know you're, you're having this, this flash of anger right now. And if you do what's right, everything's going to be good. But if you do what's wrong and you don't get a hold of this, and you don't deal with this anger right now, he says sin is crouching at your door. And y'all know this, most of you know the story, right? He didn't deal with it correctly. He didn't deal with it in a, in a quick way. And so what did he do? He murdered his brother. Anger led to murder. He didn't deal with it. It was unresolved anger. He didn't, he didn't present that to God. He didn't ask God to forgive him. He didn't forgive his you know, what's going on inside of his life and, and make allowance for, for what, how he thought his brother wronged him, even though his brother was not necessarily in the wrong. He didn't deal with it. And, it, and from this... From this, this um, uh, wording in, in Genesis chapter number four, where he says sin is crouching at the door. Imagine sin as a wild animal right outside your door. Just, just imagine this. You, you, you think of the beast, whatever that it is. Maybe it's just this, this wild bear that, you know, is just ticked off for whatever reason. It's just right outside your door. This is the image here, where he says sin is crouching at your door. As soon as you step across that threshold and step outside, that bear is going to rip you to shreds. This is the the imagery that that the Apostle Paul is is giving us. This is the imagery that even God is showing through the story of of Cain and Abel by telling Cain, if you don't deal with this anger, sin is crouching at you just like a wild animal ready to devour you. Sin is right outside your door. You need to learn to deal with this. God was telling Cain that he needed to deal with that anger very quickly or else it would destroy him. And when you combine that with the warning that Paul gives in Ephesians 4, you see that this, this, this merging of don't let the devil camp outside your door. Don't let the enemy be like a, a wild beast that's just camping right outside of your home. None of us would allow that. But yet, unknowingly to us, it happens when we don't deal with... Anger, And the longer that the enemy stays, the more likely he is to find a way in. And once he's inside of our heart and our life, he will establish headquarters from which he can do all sorts of damage in your life. And this is is eye-opening, because as I said, none of us would just hear a knock at the door and look out the window and say, oh, it's the devil. Come on in. I've been waiting for you. Been waiting for you to come by. None of us would do that. But, we, but somehow or another, we know that He gains influence to our life or else we wouldn't do the things that we do. We wouldn't lash out in anger. We wouldn't yell. We wouldn't scream. We wouldn't do harmful things. So how is He getting in? One of the ways, Paul says, He's getting in through anger. We're not dealing with anger. We're not keeping short accounts. Instead, we're letting anger fester and grow. And if we make the choice to allow anger to fester in our hearts and minds, then we also make the choice to allow Satan to set up base operations in our lives. And none of us want that. I want you to listen to this list of some manifestations of anger. Just, just like lying. I told you last week, um, lying is, is just one form of falsehood. Lying um, is, um, also shows up as manipulation, exaggeration, minimization, hypocrisy, deception, Uh, scheming, uh, cheating, all sorts of different forms of lying. And and I believe it's the same way with anger, that it manifests itself in ways that we don't recognize it as anger. So therefore, we never deal with it. So, I'm going to read you a list of some manifestations of anger and see how many of these hit home with you. Anger can take the form of hating God, refusing to allow Him into our lives turning our backs on a personal relationship with Him, refusing to use our talents and gifts or pursue the mission that God has given us, blaming others and not accepting responsibility for the negative conditions that we have brought on ourselves and the inner decisions that we have made that have contributed to our own unhappiness. Anger can also look like being cynical, purposefully trying to ruin someone else's reputation, gossiping, profanity, grumbling, attacking somebody verbally, quarreling, nagging, rudeness, raging. Or it can be expressed physically through hitting, torture, murder, harsh or excessive punishment of children or others of whom we have authority. Forcing our will on others, seeking revenge and retaliation. Or maybe it's this, turning our anger on ourselves, such as through self-mutilation, cutting, overeating, bulimia, Anorexia, or pushing ourselves to overwork or to be perfect. Refusing to let anger emerge and thus causing depression. Allowing anger to manifest itself in disease and conditions that are harmful to the body. Self-pity. Anger is out of order when we refuse to forgive and are unwilling to let go of bitterness or love one another as God does. When we refuse to love the unlovable or we refuse to love our enemies. Anger in the form of passive aggressive behavior is demonstrated when we ostracize another person, spool another person's pleasure by snubbing or being moody or being uncooperative, physically or emotionally sabotaging someone. Man, that's a rough list. It's a rough list. And hopefully, hopefully this list doesn't describe you to a T. But my guess is that there were some things on there that hit home with you. I know there, there were for me. And perhaps the reason that you strive to be perfect is not really out of a righteous heart. Maybe it's because you're so frustrated at something or someone that this is just how you do life. Or maybe the reason that you hate yourself or that you're so ob- self absorbed in self pity is because your heart is filled with anger. May- maybe you're angry at a spouse. Maybe you're angry at a friend or a neighbor. Or, or maybe you're angry at God for allowing these things to happen. But either way, the Apostle Paul is saying, you got to let that go. That's, that's your old way of doing things. That's your old way of handling anger and, 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 and choosing to deal with those flashes of anger. Your old way of, is just holding that in. Letting it fester. Letting it grow. Never dealing with it or, or dealing with it incorrectly. The Apostle Paul is saying, that that's not your new style. And guys, this is hard. I know because these flashes of anger, I said, you you can be in a good mood right now and you can leave and and just something happen. Someone say something, someone do something, and in a moment's notice, a flash of anger. What are you going to do with it? How are you going to handle it? Are you going to vent? Are you going to lash out? Are you going to say what you shouldn't have said and and let those words come out and cause hurt to your family, cause hurt to your spouse, cause hurt to your children, cause hurt towards your friend? Or are you going to deal with that quickly in a way that's appropriate? The way that the Lord wants you to deal with it. Paul is saying you have to deal with it early and often because if you don't, you've just given the enemy a place in your life. I don't know how this message hits you, but I know how it hits me. I know how it hits me. I I was sitting there as I was going through it this week, I was thinking, wow, this is tough. This is tough. Um, because we all struggle with this. We all struggle with these, these flashes of anger and we want to act out in frustration. And that's not the proper way to handle it. There is a righteous anger. That we, and anger is not a bad thing, okay? I've actually taught on anger as an emotion. It's an emotion that God has given us. We know that there are several places. I didn't, I've preached on this before. If you go back and look. I believe it was in 2013. You go on our website and find uh, there was a message, a series I did called Foundations. I did an entire message on anger. And it's actually, there there are places to where uh, we see in Scripture where where Jesus actually got angry. It's okay. Matter of fact, when you back up and you read the beginning of that verse, it says, be angry, just don't sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. There is a type of anger that's helpful. Okay, If, if somebody's harming my child... I, I'm not going to be like, well, you know, I don't want to do anything because, you know, I'm not supposed to get angry. And, you know, how many understand what I'm talking? Someone's harming my child. We, we got to get angry and then do something about that. But this message should hit all of us in the fact that when those flashes of anger come, what are we doing with it? How are we responding? I myself have got some things to work on because I don't always deal with anger the way that I should. I was listening for an amen to come from from somewhere. From somewhere in this vicinity. <laughs> See, she's she's just being submissive right now. Being respectful. All of us do. We all have these moments of flashes of anger. And I don't always deal with it early and often like I should. There's times when I I just want to be mad for a while. I, th- I think there's some songs about that. I just just let me be mad for it. Just give me couple of days I just want to be mad <laughs> I need reason to go out and just smash something I need a reason to just you know, go work out extra hard I need a reason to, to do whatever we just want to be mad but the new life in Christ is quite the contrary to that the new life in Christ is to, is to promote the keeping of short accounts to deal with that and that's hard and this is a measuring stick for all of us what do we do when we get angry what, what, what follows that? Because when we lash out, when we say hurt, hurtful words, then, then we're not living the life of holiness that God is calling us to. And we need to see God pursue Him. Bask in His love. That's, that's what Ephesians 1, 2, and 3 talks about, that we would fall so in love with God that our roots would grow down deep into His love. And that we would experience His love and His goodness and His mercy. Then the Bible on, on down the line talks about how love covers a multitude of sins. How when you're truly in love with God, there's going to be a lot of things that you that you've learned to deal with because you're just so in love with God and you're going to respond the way that He would have you to respond. So when I'm struggling with this, what my response is going to be is to pursue holiness, to pursue God. I'm going to strive to walk the way that God has laid out for me so that I can experience the best of all that God has for me. The thing that I want to leave you with this morning in closing is I want you to think about this. None of us want to give the enemy any leverage in our life. None of us want that. None of us want that. None of us want the the devil to have any place in our lives, right? None of us want that. You guys are quiet, but I know you don't want that. But yet, when we don't deal early and often with anger, the Bible says that we're given an opportunity the devil to gain a place in our lives. We're opening the door for the enemy to gain influence. We're opening the door for the enemy to come in and set up camp and just launch his attacks from different angles because he's been allowed to come in. So in addition to rejecting lying and promoting the truth, the next thing Paul tells us to do is now you've got to learn to reject anger and promote the keeping of short accounts. I want to pray for us this morning. And then after I pray, I, I would just love for us, it's, it's early, I would just love for us to just take a few moments and find a place to pray. Whether it's at your seat or if you just want to come. I know we don't necessarily have physical altars, but an altar is really just a place where you come before the Lord and, and meet Him. It doesn't have to be a, a physical you know, bench or anything like that. It's just a place where you come and Present a sacrifice, your offering to the Lord, and 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 worship Him and and pray. So I'm going to pray for you, and then after that, I'd like to take about five or six minutes and just just let us examine our hearts. Where where does this message hit us? Where do I need help? How can I pursue holiness more? How can I pursue godliness more? Worship team, would you go ahead and come and 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 lead us in a song while we uh, present ourselves in prayer? Father, I thank you so much for the time that we can gather today to learn how to be more like You. Lord, that's always the goal. The goal of reading the Bible is not to memorize Scripture. Lord, the goal of reading the Bible is to get to know Jesus and to become more Christ-like in our own lives. Lord, the goal of coming to church today is not just to, to hear a message and to see our friends and family members, and that is good. But God, the goal is that we would be changed by the Word that You've given us for the week. And that that Word would be allowed to come into our hearts and and begin to grow. And begin to shape us to be more Christ-like. Lord, forgive us where we have gotten content in our walk with You. Forgive us, Lord, where we have stopped pursuing holiness. I pray, Lord, that this morning, Lord, that for the last two weeks that we've talked about lying and we've talked about anger, that you would reveal to us the areas in our own lives where we need to put this to practice. And I pray that as we spend time around these altars this morning, God, that, that we would respond in a way that our hearts are pursuing you and that we would respond in a way, Father Lord, to reject the things, Lord, that that bring disunity and dysfunction and begin to promote the things that build that up Holy Spirit do what only you can do in these next few moments and we give you praise for it in Jesus name Amen